0: Om,
1: welcome everybody for today's uh, session on the Keno Upanishad. The second of the Upanishad, we have, by the grace of Ishwara, uh, completed uh, the first Upanishad, Kato Upanishad. And uh, with uh, auspicious prayers, we wish to uh, resume our study contemplation on the Shastras with uh, Vedic hymns as a prayer to the supreme so that all obstacles are removed and we can easily continue and pursue our contemplation and study on the Upanishads. <clears throat>
2: Ganana antwa,
1: ganapati gum havamahe, kavinkavina mupamashravasthamam,
2: Jeshthara
1: jumbram hanambramhanas pata anashrinvam nuti sadhanam, Maha ganapatayena maha, Prano devi sarasvati vaja bhirvaji VATI Dhinama vitrevatu. Ano devobre hataf parvatada saraswati, the tagan to yagyam Baghdev Om hamsa hamsaya vidmahe paramahamsaya dhimahi Tan no hamsa prachodaya satyam param brahmapurushan Krishna pingalam urdhva Virupaksham viru-paksam Ishanasarva vidyanam Ishwarasarva bhutanam Brahmadipatir 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 brahmadipatir
2: Asusadashivom Shiva sankalpa mantraha um, sahana bhavatu sahana
1: bhunaktu sahviryam karavavahai tejasvinavadhitamastu ma om shant shant Shanti harihi om <coughs> om ye nedam putam bhuvanam bhavishyat Parigrahita mamrtena nasarvam um, yena yajnastrayate saptaho tatan me manashivasankalpa mustu, yena karmani pracharantidhi rayato vacha manasacharuyanti, yatsam me manashivasankalpa mustu, येन कर्माणि यपसोमनीषिणो यज्ञ क्रिवंती विदथे शुधीरा अह यद पूर्वं यच्छमंतं प्रजानांतं मे मनः शिवसंकल्पमस्तु यत् प्रज्ञानमुतचेतो धृतिश्चय प्रजासु यस्मान नरते कर्मक Kriya Ketan, Maimana Shiva Sankalpamastu. Sushara Kirashwani Vayam Manushyaan, Maim niyute Pashubhir Vajini Vishtantan, Maimana Shiva Sankalpamastu. Yasmin (laughs) richas (laughs) samaya (laughs) jugum shi yasmin pratishthara chittagum sarvamotam prajanantan memanas shivasankalpamastu. Yadatra shashtantri suviryan yagyasya guhyan navanavamayam dasha panchat Parantan shatayat me mana shivasan kalpamastu yaj ja ghrato dura veti shanjoti re kantan me mana shivasan kalpamastu ye needam jagato babhu deva vimahato jata veda Devagnis tad Vāyus tad Sūryas tad Uchandramāsthan Memana Śivasan Kalpamastu E Nadya Uf Prusivi Chantarikṣanchaye Parvata Vpradishodishascha E Nedañjya Gadyāptam Prajānāntan Memana Ye manohada yange cha ye divya Apuye surya rashmihi. Teshro tre chakshushi sancharan me manashiva sankalpa mastu. Achintyan cha prameyan cha vyakta vyakta Sukshmaaat Sukshma Tarang Gayantan Kalpamastu E Ka Cha Dasha Cha Shatan Cha Sahasran Kalpamastu Ye Pancha Pancha Dasha Shatagum Sahasra Mayutan Ye Agnes TESHTA KASTA GUM SHARI RANTAN MEMANA SHIVASAN KALPAMASTU VEDAHA METAM PURUSHAM AHANTAM ADHITYA VARANAN TAMASAP PARASTHAT YASYA YONIM PARIPASHAN TIDHIRASTAN MEMANA SHIVASAN KALPAMASTU YASYA ITAN DHEERA FUNANTI KAVAYO O Brahmana metan twa vrnuta mindum, um, mandyaura kashantan memanas shivasankalpa mastu, omapyayantumamangani, vakpranas chakshusro chasarvani, sarvam brahmopanishadam, Maham Brahmanira KURKYAM, Mama Brahmanira Karot, Anira Karanamastwanira Karanam Tadatmani Nirate, Ya Upanishad Sudharma, Temai Santu, Temai Santu, Om Shant, Ishant, Ishant, Harihi, Om.
2: Welcome,
1: everybody for today's keno upanishad keno upanishad is also considered as one of the primary or the mukya upanishads and it comes in the samaveda the brahmana portion of the samaveda and uh, in terms of its importance uh, as per the scholars they rate it as number two in terms of its value to the Vedantic thought. And this treatise is based on a purely speculative approach towards the truth. The greatness of the, Kato Upani, of the Keno Upanishad is that it goes directly into the nature of enquiry. This creates or this highlights the hallmark of the Vedantic thought, That the Vedantic thought is free from any sort of dogmas, any sort of doctrines. Yes, we have the approach of uh, the form aspect of God, the formless aspect of God, because that is how human beings conceive and have realized the nature of reality. But it it gives an ample scope, a vast scope for pure speculation, And Katha Upanishad, therefore, has been celebrated as one of those rare Upanishads where the very uh, uh, essence of this Upanishad is to inquire. It gives an individual the complete freedom to recognize the nature of the reality. The word Kena is verily the question. It's constantly asking from where, whenceforth, how, and it is left to the inquirer to find out. The first portion of the Upanishad deals with purely speculation to understand the nature of reality, and in the second, as is the Vedic texts very popular, to be seen to bring folklore or to bring the various gods and goddesses, and through such mythologies also, it has a very unique way of pointing that the essence of all this reality is indeed Brahman. Adi Shankaracharya, you know, uh, you would say he would savor, savor this Upanishad because of its very questioning nature. And uh, uh, he has written two bhāshas, two commentaries, as is generally known as Keno Upanishad, uh, Pada Bhashya and Vakya Bhashya. And he has extensively dealt with the idea of Atma, Brahma, Ishwara, Parameshwara. And we will be having a better understanding of what this upanishad will try to say in terms of the atma brahma knowledge itself and uh, the very shanti mantra for this upanishad is Yantu mamangani it comes in the chandogya upanishad and it is there even in uh, uh, the keno upanishad as the shanti mantra and the declaration of the shanti mantra is that sarvam brahma upanishadam means brahman is all of which this upanishad speaks It starts off like that as the Shanti Mantra and it asks the Supreme Being to invest us, to fill us with strength in our limbs, in our mind, in our intellect to be able to grasp it. So with this introduction, we pray to the Almighty to give us the sharpness to understand it and uh, with extreme gratitude to Aurobanji, to be there as a person to instigate our thought processes so as to understand the essence of the Upanishad. We thank him profusely for conducting the sessions on Keno Upanishad. And for our listeners, the request here being that uh, this room will be particularly for study and then the question and answers will be specific to the content that's taught taught today or to Vedanta in general, and Binji will uh, answer them specifically. And if others wish to answer, others wish to discuss, this room will be closed and another room will be open. So I request you to, uh, after the session, Uh, When we invite all of you for question and answers to stick specifically to the subject and then we will have uh, open discussion in another room for which the invite will be sent to you. So with this uh, introduction, I request Aurobenji on an auspicious note to begin the Keno Panishad session. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Prasad. Thank you for the wonderful chant and the beautiful introduction you have given. <speaking Spanish> o, Namo Brahma Dibbio, Brahma Vidya, Sampraday, Katrubio, Vamsarishipio, Mahadbio, Namo Guru Piha, Shankaram Shankarachayam, Keshavam Badarayanam, Sutrabashikrado, one day, Bhagavando, Punapunaha, Puna, Ishuru Guru Ratni, Mutibe the Bivagini, Bioma Vatpi after Dehaya, Dictionamutaye Namaha,
2: Sri Guru Piha Namaste, welcome all after having
3: seen a glimpse of what a reality or what is the truth behind each and every atom of this world or the experience, I thought that there is no better way rather than taking a dive deep to know what is exactly what was indicated in the Kadopinashad and for that, I never had any other choice but to get into the very same question which anybody can ask Kena. Now Kena Upanishad is named as Kena Upanishad because of the first word of the Upanishad itself is Kena. Now Kena is a is the third both in masculine and neutral. Kaha if it is a masculine, Kim. If it is a neuter. So whether it is a whether it is a masculine or a neuter, we do not know who is behind all those things or what is behind all those things. So the who or what has been compiled together in one word is Kena. Now Kena Upanishad has a very particular structure as such. It has no beating around the bush when telling the truth. At the same time, it gives a concession for those who are not able to get into the depth of those discussions in the first two chapters or the first two padas by giving the sakuna vāsana or the metaphorical meditative means in which one can achieve that. If you are not Able to understand and follow the, the very high philosophical, metaphysical thinking process of the initial two chapters of the Upanishad, the Sarvakarunika Guru or the Upanishad, Mata Upanishad is giving a leniency and giving us an opportunity to do a Upasana in the third and the fourth chapter. Altogether, we have 35 mantras only and it's a very short Upanishad. But by weight, as Prasad was mentioning, it is rated as number two in the entire Upanishad category. So what one should give here is that the words are used as indicative only and not as a direct meaning of it. That which cannot be apprehended or Brought in within the realm of description. When somebody needs to do that, even for our own experiences, we have seen that to express our own internal experiences of happiness, sorrow, or the taste or any personal experience like that. We have fallen short of explaining the experience to others. Similar is the situation for the guru of this Upanishad who explains it. He finds it difficult to give direct, indicative answers. So most of the answers make the listener to dive deep within his own bosom to find what he intended by that word meaning. So we need to be a lot attentive. Words have got pregnant meaning. And they have different meaning at different context. So all put together, it is an experience by itself. As Prasad mentioned and we all know that this belongs to the ninth chapter of Samaveda. Or we know which is known as, better as known as Talavakara Brahmana. This Upanishad is in the Brahmana Bhaga. Brahmanabhaga is more normally is the place where the meditative upasana and and the related act mentionings are there in the Vedas. So, having discussed about all the karmas or yagas and the methodology of which is rituated in the rituals, when it entered the Brahmana Bhaga, the ninth chapter. One aspect of this Upanishad is being taken up by the Samaveda. Samaveda has got other Upanishads also, which will be if time permits and with the grace of God, we will be able to take up that also. The peculiarity of the Samaveda Upanishads, all of them have got the same Shanti Mantra, which is chanted every time before we do a Upanishad, which Prasad chanted very beautifully. I'll go into that, that Shanti Mandra word by word so that all of us can understand and imbibe, invoke within ourselves what the Shanti Mandra is telling us to do that. The Shanti Mandra goes like this. Om Apyayantu Mamangani shrotram Atho Belam Indriyani Chasarvani Sarvam brahmopanishitam ma aham brahma nirakuryam ma ma brahma nirakarot nirakaranam astu nirakaranam astu be astu. Tadatmani nirate ya upanihatsu dharma te mayi santu te mayi santu om shanti shanti shanti. Mamangani my limbs. So, may my limbs, which includes vak prana chakshu shrotram atho Balam indriyani Sarvani, which means speech, vital areas, eyes, ears, strength, and all the sense organs put, put together, may be fully prepared or developed for receiving this knowledge. Sarvam Brahma Upanishadam. All that is revealed by this Upanishad is Brahman. So I need full attention and there should not be any shortcoming in understanding the knowledge of the Brahman which the Upanishad is going to teach me. Let my words, my ears, my eyes, my strength means I should not fall sick. And sarva indriyani, all the sensor, both the karmendriya and jnanendriya, should be in best of its form, so that sarvam brahmauneshitam apyaendu may be fully absorbed by this body, both physically and mentally. Ma aham brahmandirakuryat. While the teaching is happening about the brahma, Ma aham, let me not. Brahma, Nirakurya, reject Brahma, Brahman. That the philosophy of Brahman or the truth of Brahman, which is being given, even by my own unknown, you know, effort. Let me not reject what the teacher says because I may not know the meaning, because of which I may reject it. But that should not happen. Let Brahman Himself or Brahman itself, me be pleased on giving my, the knowledge of itself. Ma ma brahma may Brahman never down, disown me. While the teaching is being given, by the master, he is exposing, what is not physically possible, with the indriyas, or the sense organs to know so it is something which is esoteric and which is very very f- subtle in nature for the intellect as well as for the mind while my mind may be fully attentive and all that unless the grace from the brahman is there with me within me as a grace from the brahman i will not be able to grasp it so therefore let brahman not disown me, ma, ma, brahman, ira, karot, nira, karod. nira astu, or nira, karanam, me, astu, let there be no repudiation from brahman, let there be no, indefinitely from my side, let both brahman from, uh, from, that, from the knowledge which is coming as Brahman in the form of brahman, and me as the receiver, let there no be no, nirakaranam, rejection from either side, tata atmani nirate ya upanishatsu dharma ha te mai sandhu may all the dharmas extolled by the upanishad shine me, let the dharma, mean here it is not the dharma of uh, the ordinary sense, here it is that that jnanasya dharma, the nature of knowledge itself, Let that extol, which is being extolled in the Upanishad, it is being given with such an importance by the Upanishad and being explained in very very high regard. Let that be the shining light, or that be and shine me in such a way that I become one lit by that knowledge. Te Mai sandhu, may that shine in me. Above me, everywhere me, let me become one with that. That is that word when it is say Te mai sandhu, Te mai sandhu, in twice when they say that. And as usual, all Shanti Mandras, we have got, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti. The three Shantis which we are invoking as, Adi Vaudhiga, Adi and Adhyatma. There are, can be three types of impediments in in the studies of Vedas and Upanishads of this nature, Devika means the the forces of nature, the forces of nature in the form of devas, the the water, the air, the lightning, the earth, etc., etc., etc. All of them are devas in the nature of appearances which we uh, we propitiate and pray. Let there be peace from them. Let they not disturb my study. Let the world be at uh, at peace with me when I am studying it. Then Adi Vaudhigam. Adi Vaudhigam means all those that has taken as a created into the form of our transactional world. Prapancham. In that transactional world, whatever is in the form of appearance, is in the form of name and form, let them be not be my distraction or let them not be impediment in my understanding of this knowledge when Brahman is going to shine upon myself. And the third and the last but least is Adhyatma. While I have praised, uh, prayed for the outside devas which are invisible to the created ones which are in the Bhautika level, I am also praying Adhyatma, what is within myself. There should let there be no form of any form of rejection from my side by either sattva rajas tamo gunas which are within myself. I, either I may go into a slumber by not listening to the teacher, getting a sleepy mode, and not listening to that. Or my mind may be agitated without something has happened. Let that also be sadhyatma impediment. All that type of... Impediments which can happen within myself, which may not be seen outside, let them also be at peace so that I can absorb this knowledge 100% without any any iota of doubt or ignorance or non-apprehension. Um, non so with all these things, the Shanti Mantra is invoked for the study of this Upanishad. I'll chant the mantra once more. Om apyayendu mamangani vap prana chaksushrotam mato sarvam brahma Upanishadamma ma aham brahmanira kulya ma ma brahmanira astumai aran nidakaranam astu tadatmani nirate ya brahman upashatsu Mai maisandu te Sandu om shanti shanti shanti. Now, having done the Shanti Mandra, we will go into this details of what is this Keno Pradesh all about. As I told you, Kena Ishitam is the first word of the mantra. First mantra is asking a question. By whom or by what? is a question asked by the student or the inquisitive mind of anybody for you me or anybody for that matter i am living as a as a entity in this world never have i bothered to know how i am interacting with the world outside there are experiences Time, space, objects, myself included in it. There is an interaction between the world outside and myself. Why should there be an interaction or what is the reason behind this interaction or what is causing this interaction? These type of thoughts never come to our mind. We, as if pushed by some unseen or unknown force, we move from our three states of Jagarat, Sopna, Sushri, dream, Sushupti, waking, dream and deep sleep. We do not seem to be having control even on that aspect of my own life in a day. But at the same time, there is a, some false entity which I feel that I am the one who is enjoying, I am the one who is seeing, I am the one who is hearing, all those type of, I am the one who is seeing. So what is that reality behind these two? While one side I am totally helpless when it comes to my own experiences, at the same time there is a duality of a false nature of a false self inside me, which makes me feel that I am the one who is enjoying, I am the one who is doing, I am the one who is sensing, etc.
2: Both internally and externally. So, not even a
3: 001% of the humanity thinks to know what is this reason or what is the reality behind it, which is propelling us to understand these realities. Or what is causing all those things? What is, what is my life? What is, I, what is that I call myself as my life? Or my living, what does it mean by it? Who is prompting me to be alive? what is forcing my eyes to see and why how I am i able to see the object seems to be outside at, at a different time and location with the within the reaches of the vision of the eye at the same time there is that experience in me which say i am seeing it so the experience or the knowing is happening within me when i am considering i am the body the experience of an object which is far away also is in. I see a star. I can't even touch or even think of reaching that. But when I'm seeing a star, the experience of a seeing a far distant place, object, is an experience in, within myself. What to say about objects which are right in front of us in this world in the daytime? When I'm talking about one sense organ of vision if this is the situation what about talk about the other things the sense of touch for example which is the sense of touch which i am identifying myself as the body because within the body, with the sense of touch is that limitation of the body Beyond that anything is touching anything else i don't feel the sense of touch only when it touches my body i am feeling the sense of touch but there is a sense of touch within also, within my body when I heat, drink a hot coffee or a cold ice cream. There is the heat and cold felt from within also. So is it my skin which is only the sense organ which is outside or is my sense organ of touch? Throughout my body, I am experiencing pain when a cut or a wound or a pinprick takes place in the entire body. So whether is the sense of touch. At the skin level or at the body level, these type of questions we never ask ourselves to know the truth. And then comes this sound that the most unique of all that, even even funnier or weird than the eyes. While my sound can make, my mouth can make the sound my own ears can receive that input also. So both the creation as well as the reception of the sound is happening by my two different organs. One organ may create the sound and the other organ is receiving. it. But there is no other organ in the body like that where, you know, one thing is creating, the other is able to see that or the other able to touch that. Nothing is created by any other organ, except in the case of sound. So there must be something, for why the sound has this special quality of it, because of which I am able to produce the sound as well as listen to it. So all these type of questions about the physical body is being asked. At the same time, not the physical body there is a world within myself also when i'm going into dream somebody is creating the world for me in the dream and placing myself as a dreamer inside my dream how do i i mean do i do not have any control of my dream what happens in the dream is it the same in the case of waking I think I have a control in my waking. But when it comes to waking, when I have a face that I am in control, I have a free will, I can control the destiny and I can control the things. But when it comes to dream, it is not the state there also. I am there as an experience or a perceiver or enjoyer or a sufferer in the dream. And then entire world is created. And that world of creation of the dream Is illumined by something. Who illumines that world? From where does that illumination or the experiences are being, you know, lit within the dream of the world, um, world of the dream? Is there any relationship between the dream world and the waking world? Because I am common in both these cases. In the dream also, I am there. In the waking also, I am there. In this dream world, somebody is lighting it. In the ex- in the waking world, somebody, is it that I am not the one who is doing or is somebody else is doing? And when I am not either in the dream or the deep sleep or in the waking, I have the feeling of my own existence, even though there is no way I can express that. But I am not being made void or not available there. My own existence is... Felt as an existence in the deep sleep. Who holds that? Who supports that? Where is the support for these experiences? The substratum of the experiences of the waking dream and deep sleep. Which or what or who is supporting that? From where I, I spring up as a deep sleeper to dream to the waker? Different states of my own experiences. So all these type of questions are never asked by ours, as if driven by some force. We work like donkeys carrying the, do- the, 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 do- the launderer's bag on the back. It keeps walking, same way we keep doing our morning till night, the day-to-day work, not knowing who we are. We do not know who we are or what we are or how we are functioning. Everything else we are interested to know. We are interested to know about the politics. We are interested to know about the cosmos. We are interested to know the materials. We are interested to know the functioning of things. We are interested to know the, you know, in nitty of different ways in which the world functions, the economy, social... Everything we are interested in outside, but not interested in knowing who you are. This is what the state of the place where we are all in our day-to-day life. Kastid dheeraha. That one individual who has the courage, let the world run by itself. I am not worried about the world, how it runs or what are the intricacies and everything. Let me first understand myself. Who am I? Or what is this with which I am being driven to, to work like a donkey or to move like a robot in the world outside? I will come to the world later. Let me first understand myself. Unless I understand my own nature or my own reality, who I am why I, why am I doing that? I may not be in successful or not in a position to control with my interaction with the world outside. What way should I interact with the world unless I know without knowing myself? How do I interact with the world outside effectively and be a be a perfect, you know, handler of the world of external world of experiences? To keep these things understanding, the student or the philosophical minded student asks the question to the teacher as the first question. Kena ishitam patati prekshitam manaha. Kena ishitam. Willed by whom. Ishitam means ishtam. Ishitam is a chandasi prayogam. In the Vedic may of the thing. It's not in the typical Sanskrit usage. Ishtam is the such way in which it is. said. Kena Ka Kena ishitam. Who has the desire or what is the Whose desire is what is forcing reshitam manaha for my mind to go and fall on different experiences, both internal and outside, external? Is it, I cannot say it is my own, because the world of experiences of my dream is not entirely my desire. There are things which I have not even. Known or experienced. So what is unknown cannot be experienced unless it is being prompted by somebody else. The normal behavior is that Janati Icchati Yatate. Janati means we should know something. Then only we can desire about it. And once we know that it is there and we have a desire, that, then we may work towards that to achieve that. So Janati Icchati Yatate is that Standard pro- operating procedure for our act today, day, acting everything. But in my dream, there are things which I not, do not even know what is that. But I, I am experiencing that. What is, what is forcing my mind to, to go and engage in that? Same way, I am, I am experiencing the whole world in the waking,
2: in my mind. What is the connection between the mind and the world outside?
3: Kena preshitam mana. Who is driving the mind to go and fall? Pratitam means to fall, means to engross or to encompass the world of objects outside. That is the most intriguing part of the whole question itself. So that question itself, if it's not analyzing, we can hold, do a full 10, days, 10 day session. But that it is, is how the deep that question itself is. Then the next one is, Kena Prana Pratama Praiti Yuktaha This Prana which I am breathing, not only I know that I am breathing, that I am also aware of that the Prana is there in my body acting as Prana, Pana, Udana, Samana, Vyana, Dhyana, the Panchapranas, which is creating the heat in the body, the digestion of the food which I am assimilating, com- consuming, the sense organs of that Prana which is felt throughout the body and the two main Pranas which we call it as Pranayama for the, pr- the Pranayama is the breathing in, breathing out which is only the very insignificant part of it, but we think that is the most important part of it. The rest of the three pranas are doing the entire maintenance of the body. But the pradama prana is the one which is we are talking about here, is the breathing in and breathing out. Who is the one who is asking me to breathe non-stop from the time I breathe, take my first breath when I came out from my mother's womb till the time I kick the bucket or when I Drop the body dead. 365 days uninterrupted, without any even awareness of it, even in my deepest of the deep sleep. This keeps happening. Who is the one keep pumping in and pumping out my air from my lungs every time? Kena prana pradamapraithi Yuktaha. What is that which is? So by whom or which, on which, whose desire is this prana working up and down or breathing in and breathing out? Kenishnitam vacham imam vadanti. These words which I am talking about, these even for me to ask these questions, somebody has propelled me to ask these questions within myself. Otherwise, why should I ask these questions, very questions. These questions is imam vadanti. These words, who is making me to ask these questions? I, unless somebody is asking me to ask these questions, why am I even asking this question? Definitely I do not know the answer for the first two questions which I asked. Mana, Kena Prashidam Vyanaha, Kena Prana. Why the Prana is working? Why the mind is working? I do not know. But what makes me even ask this question? That is what the question is, is, the student is asking. Who is the propeller or who is the one who with the desire, whose instruction or whose desire is that? I am asking even this question. Chakshu Shotram devo Yunakti Now, Yunakti is the word, is the one who yojash, joins together. In our experience of the world, We experience the world either by sight or sound, nama rupa, by name and form. The entire world can be included in just two words, name and form. So the prapancha, the entire prapancha, is in the form of name and form. And which is that deva, or which is that enlightening force, which? mixes these two. Not only I am seeing with the eye the object, I am also having the three-dimensional aspect of the object, even though I can see only two-dimensional as the the light senses which is coming from it. The light can bring only two-dimensional picture. Even when it is falling on my retina as a screen, there also, it is in two dimensions. The, the experience of light, if we take a camera and a lens, we will know that it is a reflection and everything is, we are getting it as a 2 dimension. But there is a third dimension of 3D expect, effect of objects in the world outside. Not only that, the sounds and the Behavior of those objects which are produced by the world outside, which includes the taste, the touch, the smell, all the five in Now, all those things, which is that force, K. Deva, Unakti, who m- merges them all together, who infuses them together to, for me to get a total, totality of experience. My experience is not two-dimensional. My experience is not just sound alone, or taste alone, or touch alone. I have a experience which I say that it is in totality in the when I'm experiencing anything in the world outside. But the five sense organs are independently operating. When I'm seeing, it can see only light. But when I'm sense of touch, skin skin or the sense of touch can touch only this touch. The sound alone, the sound. The taste, taste alone. Like that, uh, five sense organs which is created and placed looking outward, even though it is measuring and everything outward from the external world, internally within myself, there is a totality of experience. Somebody is merging together to give me that the physical replica of outside as an experience within myself. So, so much so that if by accident, if I am losing the sight of my visual sight, either by an accident or by any sickness or an injury or whatever it is, that experience of what I experience from my memory, I still have that totality in my experience within myself. Even though the physical sense organ has become different, or not able to produce it, my son comes in front of me, or an object known to me is, is touched and sensed by me, not that I am touching, I am getting the sensation of touch alone. The totality of that object is felt within me. So there is some force within myself which is uniting all these experiences of experiences of all the five sense organs.
2: Who is that or what is that? This is the first question of the student. And
3: when the question is coming from such a student, the master cannot but get thrilled about the question itself. He is so enthralled or excited by the question, he rants out an answer
2: which is equally intriguing for ordinary mind. So much so that
3: a casual reader of the Upanishad will feel that he is blabbering or he is not giving the right answer at all. He is trying to evade the answer of the student, the question of the student by not giving the right answer. He is not directly answering what it is or who it is. What does the master say in his reply to the student? First question is this? Shrotrasya shrotam Anaso mano yad vachoha vacham sahu pranasya pranah chakshusha chakshura Dira pretya smaloka tamurda bhavanti Now this is actually speaking the question has triggered in the master that experience which we call it as brahmakara experience or that that real, realization. The question triggers the realization inside the master, so as to so that he answers it in riddles, because he is he is reveling in his experience. He is saying that Shrotrastya Shrotram. You asked me the question. Who I can say it is the ear of the ear. Manaso mano. Mind of the mind. Yet, vachah vachoha vacham. The word, the vak, vak means it is not the word alone, the sound also. Vachoha vacham. It is the sound of the sounds. Pranasya pranaha. It is the prana of the pranas. Chakshusha chakshu is the eye of the eye. And one who, adimuchya dhiraha, the demon the wise man who understands Adimuchya. He, pratyasmat asmat lokat pratyas. He, the moment he knows that he has disconnected himself from asmat lokat, from the world of experiences which is connecting him to this world of experience, he disconnects himself from this wake, amruta bhavanti. And he stays in a state of immortality, or in the purnada. In that state is what it is. He's is in. He the 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 teacher is telling his own experience. That is, uh, the, it is the sound of the sound. mind of the mind. Vachohavajam, word of the word. Pranasya prana, prana of the prana. Chakshusha chakshu, eye of the eye. And. One who has been driven to this state of that of the everything of everything. Adimuchya dhira. See, muchya means moksha. From these limitations of the sound, the mind, the word, prana and eyes, etc. Releasing himself from these clutches of these limitations of the sense organs dhiraha, dhiraha, those who have found the truth, Asmad lokat Pretya, by living, detaching himself from this world, even while living, Amrita Bhavanti, they stay in that state of immortal bliss. And this sloka needs one day, full day explanation separately. And since having given the introduction to these two things, I will get into the rest of the shlokas and the mantras, including the explanation of the answer of the teacher in detail in the next class. So we will stop it here today. And we will continue with the discussion in the Friday same time. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamandaya, Purnameva, Vashishya De, Om Shanti Shanti Shanti
2: Hari Heo, Sri Guru Pyonamaha, Hari Heo. Yo.
1: Thank you, Arubinji, for uh, the perfect uh, introduction that can happen to Keno Punishat. Uh, I request uh Ji, if you are there, uh, to give uh, closing remarks for the session before we invite uh, other uh, speakers to come on and discuss. Jatavedaji, Ji, are
4: you there? Thank you, Prasadji. Thank you, Aribindo for a wonderful introduction on Keno Panishad. In fact, uh, we enjoyed a lot uh, Kato Panishad. As you have beautifully explained in Kathopanishad for the fear of Him the fire burns for the fear of Him shines the sun and for the fear of Him do Indra, Vayu and the death the fifth proceeds with their respective functions what a beautiful uh, uh, mantra in Kathopanishad the prana being present in the whole universe comes out of him and vibrates within him. There is so much a link between a Kato Upanishad and Keno Upanishad and it can be a better exercise to find a best nexus. That's why Aurobindoji has chosen the Kena as the next Upanishad to give a proper bridge and flow of thoughts also. Kena Upanishad as explained by Aurobindoji is wonder one of the wonderful Upanishads actually it hits the direct question different schools have beautifully explained these things even in in few cool in few schools basically uh, the traditional way of uh, putting the thing that who is the Rishi of this Upanishads and who is the Deva of this Upanishads and uh, what is the context and all? What is the Chandas? Therein they take the Chaturmukha Brahma and the Shiva and explains these things with all the Puranic uh, uh, stories. Beautiful Upanishads actually. It is so nicely, uh, the Upanishads talks about the, it starts with question. Arbindu is told, Keno, Kene sitam. Kene-shitam patate-pre-shitam-manah Kena-pranah Pratama-prayti-yukta Kene-shitam vachem-mama-mudanti chakshu Wonderful! By whose desires, by whose prompting does this mind move towards to the things? By whose command does Chief Mukhyaprana make the beings breathe? By whose desire do the living one talk, which God controls the eye and the ear. Who is that? What is that light? And who is that the God? Such a beautiful, it, it talks about the five different, uh, the organs. Uh, it's very, very important. The mind, the breath the speech the eye and the ear basically you find all these five organs stated in the head only the head portion only that's why whenever we address someone else's Shriman, shri has come from shiraha one who has these five organs in the head that is a human being that is actually accorded called as a real wealth these organs are the real wealth. That's why whoever has this is addressed as a Shri or Sriman. That is the riches of the human life, actually. Uh, very importantly, even the introductory applying one uh, the very first uh, invocation, the mantra for this Upanishads is wonderfully puts about the body. Usually, in in some cases we do forget about the body and other aspects but this Upanishads puts it very beautifully Arvindhoji explained it very nicely he he's each sentence comes out of his own anubhava so i have seen arbindoji even he 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 he, he dares to go you know to live even shankara also but he will stick to his own Anubhava. So penetratingly, he will speak about these Upanishads. I thank you. Thank you very much, Arbindoji. I request uh, all uh, uh, listeners, whoever has any relevant questions pertaining to these uh, two mantras of these Upanishads or Upanishads in uh, general about uh, the Kena Upanishads, request you to raise your hands and ask questions. Once this question-answer session is completed we will open the general room for the general discussion thank you and i thank you Prasadzhi, for your wonderful introduction and uh, very good chanting about uh, the shiva mantras and uh, i thank each and every one of who is present here listening this to the kind words of arbindo thank you thank you and
5: thanks uh, thank you Jataveda and uh, Arabin. that was wonderful. I've uh, been excited for the last few days to start the sessions with you. Um, so thank you again. And Prasadji, uh, your uh, invocation and the chanting was uh, was absolutely divine. Um, next level. So thank you very much. Um, Arabin. what I was excited about is when I started preparing uh, for the class is... Um, is from a contemporary a modern perspective uh you know sanatana dharma the upanishads are seen to be these old you know dusty um uh scriptures uh, from you know from the ancients and what i found really amazing is that i've heard you know many times that all of the questions uh that uh, humankind you know, has wanted to ask, have been asked before, and they're found in the Upanishads. Uh, all of the answers uh, that you know have come from those questions have also you know been arrived at, and they're in the Upanishads. And so, for everyone, just kind of on on the question uh, that we like to talk about in this room and uh, and others is is the question of of uh, non-dualism and Advaita Vedanta. Um, And in this, uh, the the modern schools of non-dualism in in scientific communities have asked a question going back to 1995 with a um, a researcher named uh, David Chalmers. And he posed a question for modern science, and they've been working on this now for almost three decades, and that is called the hard problem of consciousness. And the hard problem of consciousness is the problem of explaining the relationship between physical phenomena, such as the brain processes and experiences, our phenomenal consciousness or mental states. Um, that is called qualia, the qualities uh, of experience. And these are subjective experiences. Why are physical processes uh, accompanied by experiences? Why does a given, you know, physical process generate specific experiences like why is red red and why is it red and not green for example and so this this question is called the hard problem of consciousness and what's so exciting is that this is the first question that is asked in Cana if you you know look at if you look at the mantra and go to the original the disciples asked by whose will directs the mind to proceed to that object, at whose command does the prana the foremost do its duty at which do uh, men utter speech, who is the god that directs the eyes and the ears, and we go on you know to the next mantra, and that starts to get answered, but I think this is um incredible because uh this you know was um this Upanishad was, you know, before the time of Christ and these questions were being asked and these questions so, were being so answered, be answered, so. answered. So, anyway, I just thought I'd bring that up, Aurobind. Thank you. Thank you, Patrick. Namaste,
0: Arvinduji. Namaste, all. Uh, I would like to thank you for... Uh, Uh, choosing this Keno Panishad even I thought after Kata I I was like thinking inside my mind it would be good if Kena, uh, if you do the next series on Kena so (laughs) luckily it's it's actually for me it's uh, as if uh, my mouth is literally watering just thinking about the fact that uh, we are going to discuss Kena Upanishad in the next few sessions, and and all the highlights are like flashing in front of my eyes like the shloka you have in your bio, right? So, uh, like, literally, mouth-watering prospects to. Discuss so potent, uh, small pills, but it's hardly like twenty first to twenty mantras, and like, each one is like a very potent pill. So yeah, I'll thank you and very much looking forward, and thank you for <clears throat> choosing this, Arvindaji. Very nice, thanks. Thank
5: you. Uh, Dhamador, you're you're next on the uh, PTR. One, you uh, uh, unmute and uh, share your uh, question or comment for Arvind.
6: Namaste to everybody. I hardly have any questions. The way Prasadji introduced the Kenopanishad and Aravandaji started explaining the very first and the second stanza of the Upanishad. That reminded me that I am really lacking a lot of things. I am at the stage of learning Vedanta. And to learn Vedanta, one really has to learn the Sanskrit language. Though my mother tongue, which contains nearly 80% of words from Sanskrit, now I feel at this age, I have missed a great chance of learning Sanskrit language. When I am back home, I believe I will start learning the Sanskrit language. And Aravindaji really inspired me by explaining, every word of the very first sloka what really it means you know that 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 had made me realize one must learn Sanskrit if one really tries to understand the very spirit of Veda or the Vedanga thank you very much Arvindji you have inspired me back home I will be the Primary, not primary, kindergarten student of Sanskrit language. Thank you. Thank you very much.
4: Thank you, Damodarji. Thank you, Damodar Very interesting and uh, yes, you are right. The knowledge of uh, Sanskrit will definitely help and uh, I think better late than never. You have ample of opportunities and you have a chance to learn sanskrit i will share a link there are hundred and one twenty videos it is self taught sanskrit lessons if you dedicate one or two hours a day so within a span of a little time of maybe three months you will be able to converse elementary sanskrit or con- conversational sanskrit there are so many online classes being conducted by Akshara aksharam foundation bangalore there are ample of opportunities and uh, uh, even the self-cut with anybody's you know help you can learn just by watching youtube series there are systematic videos of 120 in numbers nicely done without anybody's help you just to watch once or twice or thrice a day that will uh help you to definitely to understand these things. And Dozi is very much interested in teaching Sanskrit and he is doing that actually. He is teaching Paninian grammar to the most of the interested guys. So I think whoever has you know, not learned, wants to learn, there is a great amount of opportunities and great amount of material is available. Definitely we can make use of it. Thank you.
6: I will remain thankful to you, Shapaji uh, Bedaji. If you uh, forward the link of uh, the... Uh, um, please do forward the link to me. I will definitely spend not one hour, number of hours to learn Sanskrit. Thank you.
4: Thank you, sure, I will do that. <coughs>
7: thanks uh, thanks for starting this new series now. So, some nice things over the next few months, I hope. And uh, the the example that you give 3D, this thing, right? When the eyes don't see 3D and yet we create 3D. Uh, you know, I'm quite surprised because uh, rather uh, it's one of my pet examples, actually. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I'm quite, uh, I mean, uh, I know, I mean, it may not be like given in the can of shells or whatever, but still that example came as part of this is what is very interesting for me. So that is very, very relevant actually, many of this understanding, this the nature of reality. <clears throat> Normally the way I reason it out is like, you know, that we cannot pre-assume that there is 3Dness outside, uh, because if we pre-assume that there is 3Dness outside, then we assume, we say that we see 2D and then reconstruct 3D. All we have is like, you know, 3D, and uh, then in that 3D we perceive our own uh, brain, our own uh, eyes and all. Which are then seeing 2D and so on and so on. So the picture becomes very imperfect actually. We even only see from this angle actually and so on and so on. So that was quite interesting for me personally. Thanks.
2: Thank you, Manu. In
3: fact, uh, if a literal word, if you are taking that Upanishad Mandra, you will not get all those explanations. The word is yunakti. What joins the chakshut Chotram Kafudhon Keno Yunakti. Which is the one which you know binds or mixes the sound and the light for the experience. That is the literal meaning of
7: yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah.
3: But if you look at it, it has got a much it is only indicative because this is a rant of a point of view of the teacher who is experiencing that. Now if you look at it from the experiential point of view, time, space, the dimensions of
2: inexperiences, experiences, it is, if you look at it, infinity is a series. Yet, the wholesomeness of experience is felt within us.
3: So the question next week class which we will be explaining is that are we just internal only or are we fooling ourselves that we are internal and I'll deal with it in the next class.
7: That would be very interesting actually. These problems I think like even scientifically even though Patrick said about uh, the, this one and all right I mean uh, uh, the zombie thing and all that
3: Hard problem of consciousness.
7: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but fundamentally, I think like, you know, these are the kind of problems actually. That is, how do we kind of unite the thing, unite the independent pieces of information to form a holistic picture? What drives that process, you know? And, uh, you know, because even in the AI and all, they have to first tell what they want and then like, you know, the system will kind of arrive at that. Uh, So, you already have the objective but then who is creating the objective in the first place objective not just like you know the way we understand the term but even simple objective of seeing a thing as a thing for example and things like that Anyway, all these are very very interesting and very very scientific actually it is like it's like, uh, it's like uh, how can these uh, complex things we found uh, in such an old text it all is like you know mind boggling but anyway, we have to come to that terms, and then like you know, accept that yes, that's how the reality is actually.
3: Yeah, that's why like you know, Patrick said, dusted. It was accumulated in the dust, and nobody has really bothered to look into it until recent masters, who with the Sanskrit and English knowledge, started bringing to the forefront of. Non-Sanskrit people; otherwise, they were all, you know, lying in corners of different uh, traditional schools. So we should give a lot of credit to Vivekananda, Jimmaanda, Krishananda, and a lot of the modern uh, uh, masters who have brought to English-speaking scientific-minded people that, yes, the science is not just a Western experience. It is there in ancient Indian books, which are archaic in Sanskrit language. That is what it is, makes it even more interesting.
2: Namaste, everyone. Uh, Namaste, sorry, sir. Namaste, Rukhuri. Uh, I have two silly questions. It is said that it cannot be spoken, heard, seen, breathed or thought upon. Yet, it is the reason why all these things are happening. So, this gives certain doership to Brahman, which objectifies the Brahman. So this is the first question and the second question again is similar. Since a connection is drawn, uh, a causality seems to be appearing. So one is uh, always said that nothing is happening. Then a causality is appearing. Then this further objectifies the Brahman. So both are kind of similar.
3: Well, these questions get answered as we go to see the further verses of the mantras of the Upanishad. These questions which are now being asked are from the beginning stage. From where the student who is not knowing who is it, from his point of view when he asks the question, naturally the doership is transferred to somebody who is whom he knows. Who, whom he doesn't know, as the doer of the, all those things for him. but Because obviously he can't see the doership within himself. But yet it is happening. So there must be some doer for him. So the doership is assumed and transferred to that entity by asking that question. But does that really exist or not, we will see in the subsequent Mantras. Only when we go go into the threadbare analysis of the statements of the Rishi, we will know that what is the process, why doership is there or not, and if it is there, how, if it is not there, how, all this will get answered in the subsequent mantras. So just hold on for a couple of days before we get into that. I can get the detailed answer for that at that time. I want to put I don't want to put the cart before the horse right now.
4: Arbinduj, can I open other room now?
3: I think so, because this being first day I didn't expect much questions also to come up because it, it was only just introduction. More on the Anuj, unless you have some questions,
8: you are new to Clubhouse and to this room. I believe uh, today is a good day and I just learned a lot about our culture. We have been studying Sanskrit in our schools and I think that's the beauty of uh, Indian culture that we impart knowledge no matter what our age is. If you're ready to learn something, it is so encouraging. Uh, Like all of you have explained so many experiences and how well and we even have to study so many things in life. It's not just about what we have studied in our convent schools and we are doing a job and just supporting our family. Everything is going hand in hand. But it is a duty that we just must follow for our future generations to follow our uh, native language, I would say. That's Sanskrit. Um, I'm admired. Thank you. Yeah,
3: In fact, you will be surprised that Sanskrit classes which we are conducting, we have majority of them people who are 50 plus, and there are students who are 85 and 90 studying Sanskrit. Of course they as a child they had done some bit of study but they were they're totally out of touch that. But they were happy to you know refresh and join again. So no age is a restriction as long as you have an interest and in a will. And Sanskrit is something which which I can say that within six months to one year you will be comfortable to listen and understand. Forget about talking. Talking may need another one or two more years. But at least when you listen to it and when you read it, you will be able to understand basic simple Sanskrit sentences.